Hi, I'm your host, James Barrow, a creative turned marketing director with over 20 years' experience in the advertising industry. Join me as I go behind the scenes with a range of innovative thinkers. Hear what inspires them, their processes, and the methods to their madness. Find insights that can help unlock your creative potential and apply them in your life, career, and business. Right here on The B-Side with James Barrow. How can we create advertising that transcends commerce into culture? In episode 15 of The B-Side, I speak to Adam Locke, Group Creative Director at VaynerMedia, from his home in New York. Originally from Sydney, Australia, Adam has over 15 years' experience as an integrated creative and a career that's seen him work across three continents and on some of the most creative brands in the world, including Budweiser, Vodafone and Burger King. With many of his campaigns being recognised at the world's major award shows, including Cannes, Clio's, DNAD, One Show and the Effies. We discuss how, after finishing a business degree and starting out as a suit, he became an art director through his laser-like creative focus and a passion for big ideas. He talks about the move to New York and how he landed his gig at VaynerMedia, where he spent the last four years working with internet guru and social media marketing megastar Gary Vaynerchuk, a.k.a. Gary V. Adam shares what it's like working at VaynerMedia and how their processes and ways of working differ to traditional advertising agencies. Adam's passion for creativity that connects and for creating out-of-the-box, not-so-advertising-like solutions to marketing problems is inspiring. He's a rare talent, a super switched-on dude, and a nice guy too. I really enjoyed our chat, and I'm sure you will too. Cheers. Adam Locke, man, it is an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast, mate, but I really appreciate you making the time. I know it's after work on a Tuesday afternoon, your time, so thank you, mate. It's been a long time, so how are you? Good, mate. Good. It's been a moment. No, it's uh, it, we got there. We figured it out <laughs> through emails and technology and the like. We are uh, we figured it out. But no, it's been good. It's probably been what over ten years. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> you don't look that different. You haven't changed that much. Oh no, I probably um, I probably change a little for the better. I lost lost a bit of weight. Been working hard, trying to be sensible about what I eat. I'm not sitting by the computer like you used to see me smashing chips and just. <laughs> Drinking I mean, you, you've got the uh, the youthful glow still. You haven't uh, uh, you haven't aged at all, mate. You look great. Uh, likewise, mate. Likewise, and I'm digging the beard as well. Our listeners you. can't see your very handsome beard, but it's um, looking well groomed and uh, full. Full. You've got more hair on your face than I do on my head. So that's one thing that's changed since I've probably seen you last. So. <laughs> Oh, mate, that's fantastic. To um, you, you're, so you're in the thick of it. You're in New York. New York's going mm-hmm. through a bit of a interesting time with regards to COVID and all sorts of other crazy things. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Just quickly, how are you going, I guess, and um, what's been happening in your world? It's, it's a little crazy. It's, it's been a year for, uh, for the world, but it's been a year that felt like a lot, a lot of it's all happening in, in New York uh, uh, as much as anywhere. Um, it, it's an interesting one over here. Uh, it, I go through weeks of keeping the CNN on in the background. I go through weeks of just absolutely not watching it at all because it's just all too much. But, uh, mm. you know, I think, I think New York is starting to feel like it's opening up a little bit while the rest yeah. of the country is, uh, is, is feeling like it might be going back or if not for the first time into a quarantine situation where it's getting pretty, pretty dire over here. I heard California today started to move backwards again uh, in their regulations and, and trying to, you know, basically get into more of a quarantine, back to a quarantine situation in California. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if New York starts to head that way, particularly if the numbers shift. But yeah, it's, just, it's, it's a unique circumstance, really is, truly. 
Yeah, it really is. I really try and avoid that word unprecedented. I keep saying it though, but yeah. so I'll say it again. But no, I won't. Um, if you actually Google search unprecedented, it's an unprecedented number the last this year on, on unprecedented on Google search. It's crazy. It's, I don't think anyone ever used that word in a conversation prior. Do you know, no. like, and if they did, you'd go, you're a fucking wanker, dude. Just please don't use that word again. <laughs> it's carte blanche now, you know, like, you can just, just it's, yeah, pivot just, and just unprecedented, man. Those two words, you're just like, you've got to have those, those in your repertoire. Your vocab it just it. you That's instantly it. sound smarter if you're talking about COVID-related <laughs> topics. If you just put those two words into a uh, sentence, it's it's in every agency sell on deck in the first three slides. It, it, it truly is. I, I did a test that I went through a few of them we presented the last few months, and I was like, "Yep, there it is. There it is. There it is." There like it you is. never know it, but you're using it. Yeah, it's almost like as soon as you walk into the meeting, you hit the the stopwatch and you go, "How long is it going to take? One, two, three. Oh yeah, there we're it. <laughs> Yeah, it is. But I guess it, it's really – it has captured the um, the sentiment, really, hasn't it? It is something like we've never seen before, and it has shaped and changed, you know, the way we behave. Like, I started this podcast wanting to do face-to-face um, meetings because I thought, you know, it would be a lot easier for me to build connections with my guests, and it gave me the opportunity of catching up with people that I really liked and I hadn't had the chance to because, like yourself, they've gone off and they're over the other side of the world. It's kind of brought me – Closer, and I love using this technology now. So I'll probably just keep doing it. <laughs> I think you know that's I mean? the thing. I, I mean, this isn't a new thing. People have been talking about this for a few months now, but it's the idea of you know, it's ten years of evolution forced into a few months. Where like mm-hmm. you know, wh- where we are with technology and working remotely and all that stuff is like you know, you know, futurists and pundits were kind of like we'll, we'll be there in ten years, and it's kind of pushed us there. And I, I honestly like uh, what I'm interested about, particularly like a place like New York where so many people are here because that's where the work is, the the career is and all that kind of stuff. And if suddenly you yeah. can do that part, but be middle of the country, you know, your, th- your, your half a million dollar studio apartment can be a four bedroom uh, palatial mansion in uh, Tennessee, it, it, but you can get paid to salary and do your job. It, it becomes really interesting for how it's going to change the dynamics of a, of a hub city like New York or like yeah. things like that. If you don't have to be here to have the career, it's, it's, it's going to be incredibly interesting in the next few years uh, to see what, what, repercussions this all has in a very dramatic way i think yeah i really hope we hold on to and i've said it before but i really hope we hold on to what has worked for us and just look at ways we can continue that so why don't we um why don't we go back let's get let's let the audience and a reminder for myself get to know a little bit about you uh your background um where it all started for adam lock yeah i mean i i'm i'm I know you have a, a number of different creative types uh, come on the come on the podcast. So uh, I'm I'm from the advertising uh, land, but uh, I, I started. I'm from obviously back uh, Australian, so uh, grew up in Sydney. Uh, That's a, not not an Aussie accent, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it, it is. It is. It is. It hasn't changed much. Um, Good on you. Up- Good on you. There's nothing grew- worse, you know. You see people go over to New York for six weeks, like I did, and I came back with an American accent. No, I didn't. I, I must yeah. say, there's a few few words that I've adopted because it's just shorthand easier. Like I'd say ketchup it's- and I say tomato, and I do things like that. Yeah, it's yeah. just easier. It's yeah. not worth the fight. But um, yeah, I, I grew up in Sydney. I'm from Sydney, Sydney boy, uh, southern suburbs. Go Sharks. I uh, I got into uh, advertising a, 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 pretty much straight after university. I took a year off and went, went on a gap year uh, around mm. the world with uh, Best Buddy and like a classmate from, from university. Uh, she, she kind of reached out to me when I came back from my, uh, my gap year and mm. said, look, you know, there's a, there's a gig going over here. Long story short, I, I'm in a creative field now, but uh, I actually started an account and the account side of the business because uh, I ended up with a, a business did, yeah. degree. 
Yeah, I got. I had a business degree from UTS. So look, she reached out to me, which was great. And I went for a job interview at George Patterson Wine Art. And uh, the, the job was for an account coordinator. So like really bottom of the rung you know, account side of things. And I remember going for the interview and it was with uh, the group account director of the time, uh, Marnie Darren, who is still a close friend. She just said, look, you know, what will you, what do you want to do in this industry? Like, like, what are you looking for? And I said, like, honestly, I just, I didn't know any better. I just answered, I said, I want to be a creative. She's kind of yeah. like, well, what do you apply for this job for? And I said, well, I did a business, <laughs> deg- I did a business degree. I got to, I got to start yeah. here. So anyway, look, I, I love her to death because she gave me a, she gave me the job. Uh, I kind yeah. of agreed to like whatever you need for as long as you need it, but I just would love some support trying to become a creative. And honestly, that environment there was amazing. There was a bunch of really, really great creatives who gave me a lot of time and a lot of, uh, a lot of help and uh, really tried to guide me. Uh, some really great veterans who, you know, just truly gave a shit. It was really good that you had that support. Uh, and I, look, I just did what everyone who wants to be a creative at that point did. I went to award school, did pretty decent at it, uh, and got a job working over at uh, Clemenger BBDO in Sydney and when they were at, right. uh, at Leonard's, which is when you and I crossed paths at some point. Yeah, yeah so... Uh, started at Clems and uh, honestly, one of the most daunting things I've ever been in my life, like being a junior, uh, a, a creative, uh, honestly, as an art director, I also didn't know Photoshop. I hadn't built like a layout ever because I didn't go mm-hmm. to design school. Like it was award schools all hand drawn. I can draw, but yeah. I couldn't do a layout on Photoshop. So I kind of came in like so friggin' raw. I had good ideas uh, and I knew what looked good but I didn't know how to make it look good. And I think, I think, yeah. I think it became really interesting. And, you know, obviously at that point it was uh, Richard Maddox, who to this day is one of my uh, absolute uh, heroes. Uh, one of yeah. my, my favorite bosses to work for. Uh, Guy Rook actually hired us, uh, found us and hired us. And I oh, really? uh, yeah. love, Rook, love Rookie as well for a whole different number of reasons, but I love him as well. And it was just a really, a really great time. I mean, I think the creative team we had there at that point was just so freaking talented. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, just the people that were in that department. I, I feel like the opportunities to make some of the work was nowhere near as the same level of the creative talent we had in there. Like, I just think, yeah. you know, some, some different briefs uh, and the, the output of that, uh, that agency that time. I know the, that agency has gone on to do incredible things over the last few years, but like the output of that agency at that time would have just been phenomenal. Yeah, and it continues to be quite a hothouse for Sydney. Yeah. I worked yeah. there from 2010, and I think it might have been just after um, – the the last guard left and yeah. Naji and Mike Spakovsky Spurko, who are both yeah. Spurko yeah. came on who are both yeah. friends friends of mine and they've gone on to do some great things and they did some yeah. great things they brought a different sort of energy I guess to Clems yeah. when we were all there and uh, and I, I really enjoyed working with them I, I'm quite close to Spurko because we followed each other around we worked together at Leo Burnett and yeah. worked on some pretty big things then I helped them learn, launch Earth Hour the first launch and I worked with him again after I left Clems at Droga 5 and helped relaunch Woolworths and then after that Clemenger and helped relaunch Virgin from Virgin Blue to which you were a part of as well I was a part but, of yeah yeah, like even yeah. here in a place like New York, it's just it's such a small world when you're in. This such a small world, isn't it? Is, it's really yeah. it makes you. How many people actually work in the creative industries globally? I wonder. I mean, would it be a million? I doubt it would be a million. I mean, oh man, I wouldn't even have to think that what the number would look like. It's, it'd be uh, like a. I, I hazard yeah. a guess. Someone can listeners, please. If you, one of you boffins would know this, how many people work in the creative industries globally? I'm saying it's about two hundred fifty thousand. I think it's a little north of that, but I, I'm, not, I'm, not good, I'm, not, I'm not good enough to, uh, to really Let's challenge that. Let's put some money on it. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll be intrigued to see what the listeners say for sure. Hey, so why did you decide to be an art director? You were in a beautiful position where you had the background, you had the marketing, and I reckon that's a really 
important fundamental basis for everyone who works in the corporate world to to have. I really do. You know, I, it doesn't matter if you're an artist. If you want to make money, you've got to have some fundamental business training. I firmly believe that. So you had that platform. So you probably understood the, the, the basics of, of business and marketing. Then you decided to be an art director. What was it and why did you make that decision? Really, mm. really simply, it's a little bit more of a, you know, when I finished my HSC, I, uh, <laughs> I, I intended to go to UTS for design school. That was my oh, intent. Right. That's what I, that's yeah. what I wanted to do. Uh, yeah. But crazily, and this I don't know what it is these days, but uh, I got like a ninety three and a half in the HSC. So I was I wasn't I, I did pretty good. I did all right. Yeah. I didn't get into design UTS. It You're was too smart to be a creative, mate. That's why they put you in a suit. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was it was ninety five. I, I was book smart. I, I like I studied pretty hard for that. But it was it was ninety five at UTS Design the the year that I um that that I went for, and I just didn't get in. My folks were like, "Well, you should do business anyway. Business is a good grounding, all this kind of stuff." So I just went and did business, did electives in like the design department um, anyway. So I got a little bit of that there. And uh, but I'd always wanted to something to do with uh, art. Uh, creation of visual storytelling. Yeah. Like I did little work experience when we do our year 10 work experience. I did it at Walt Disney used to have a studio in Sydney. I don't think yeah, that exists right. anymore. Yeah. So I did, I did my year 10 work experience there being an in-between right. artist for a few days. How was that um, experience? Because I had a oh, friend who, who went for a job interview there and he, he was an yeah. amazing illustrator, but he didn't get it, but he was talking about it and like the it, standard was it's intense, man. Ridiculous. Yeah. It's intense. It's uh, I loved it. I mean, it, it was one of the best things I did because it made me realize that uh, it, from age five, I wanted to be an animator, and it just mm. in two days told me I didn't, I should be an animator. Uh, mm. It's just a lot of it's a painstaking job. It made me kind of reassess things, and then I, I think just conversations and like you know when you're in high school and and even to a degree university, you're not really aware of the realities beyond the education system like yeah. it's hard to know what an actual agency is like and what you need to know at that point yeah. so i just kind of got you know i think someone maybe it was my parents kind of said well what about advertising it's like business and creative together like why don't you do that and yeah. and so I, I i did the business degree and uh, majored in advertising and promotions which is obviously a little more the business side of the of it than the creative side but did electives in animation and design uh and you know, still came out with the degree that put me in a uh, in a the, the suit department, but it was a, you know just get into an agency and you like anything's possible after that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So once you um got that first gig, how long were you at George Patterson Y and R? Uh, I was there for two years. Yeah, I was there for two years. Uh, two years. Uh, the second year was award school. The first year was just kind of getting my head around advertising and understanding what was going on. And mm. I, I had like again, you know you hear about the assholes in the industry. I just feel like I've been really lucky and the really day-to-day lucky. people I've worked with, it's just like really great people who supported me. That's really uh, I got good. to, yeah. I got to write a brief and then the creative team were like, cool, now answer it and show me what you, what you did with yeah. it kind of thing. And that's really cool. Um, it was, it was great. There's a certain energy I think people can feel, you know, and, and I, I know it gets all airy fairy and it's not scientific by any means, but I really do think there's something about a person's energy. And when you've got a positive energy, people just, shift the way they engage with you and and they're more open whenever i've encountered someone like that i'm just more willing to help them because you there's a different energy you know? yeah I, and i do i must admit I'm, I'm predisposed to picking up on those things so <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah on behalf of those people man like it makes a yeah. huge difference just even someone mm. believing enough in them to like give them time of day or give them a thought 
or an opinion on a piece of work, even if it's negative, it's still like you're taking time out to think about what they've done. And yeah. like, I, I, I think about that a lot in, in my role and, you know, even talking to people outside of my direct team at the moment, it's just like, you know, mm. I think about the people who gave me the time of day and it's just like, okay, well, yeah. you know, I, I feel pretty fortunate to have had the career so far that I've had. And I think, you know, if I can help someone in any small way do the same thing, I think it's, it's, I owe it to them. Yeah. Speaking of energy, I mean, Gary, Gary V, um, as he's affectionately known, he's got some amazing energy, hasn't he? He is just an yeah. infectious, yeah. he is the embodiment of a viral megastar, isn't he? He really is. He's, yeah. I really enjoy listening to him. I know he's quite a divisive uh, character for whatever reason, but I, I'm of the school of thought that the industry broadly, creative industries and media industries, needs people like that who just say it the way it is, cut through the bullshit, demystify the process of business, and, you know, when there's hard work to be done, you call it out and you say that's what you've got to do. You know, and everything about him really resonates with me, his approach and so on. Yeah. <laughs> so you wound up, you have Clems, and you, 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 we're skipping forward a little bit. but uh. Yeah, so I was at, I was at Clems um, and... Got to a point with Clems where we'd done so much. It'd been three years. And just personally, in my life, I was mid-20s, a single, and I'd mm-hmm. always had New York in my mind. And I was just kind of mm-hmm. got to the point where I was like, if not now, then when? Yeah. You know, if I'm in my mid-20s, I've got a bit of work under my belt where I can like, put a portfolio in front of someone and they can go, okay, this guy's made something. He's done something. And having mm-hmm. made TV work at that point coming to New York, I mean, it's a little different now, but TV was still kind of the sanctum of like seniors and creative directors. And, you know, if you're yeah. a junior, you don't touch TV for a few years. So having that helped elevate. So I just kind of made the decision to jump over. And look, it, it was it was hard to try and get a job. Uh, E3 visa to come in at that point, so it made it a little easier. But, you know, mm-hmm. I eventually winded up at a, a small WPP shop in New York uh, that was, you know, honestly uh, a landing place. A landing sure, point, yeah. Um, for things to get, it's a good strategy started. for people who want to work overseas. Like you're not gonna, in your mind, you're like, I'm gonna walk right into Droga, New York, and I'm gonna show them my book, and they're gonna hire me in a heartbeat. It never yeah, works like yeah, that, does it? No, no, <laughs> and it's funny that never it, gets discussed. You, no one ever talks about the no, the grind. No. <laughs> and, and, and if you do, if you do, I mean, I haven't worked in any of those places. Like just, yeah, uh, yeah. absolutely. Like no, my resume doesn't have, like you know those places on it um it's been a very different avenue um to, to get where i'm at but i think um you know if you can land those places particularly you know back back in that day like i think when i got here it was like crispin was still the the shop you wanted to the work shop, at yeah. you know yeah crispin yeah. was still the one so yeah but um yeah got here landed and uh and and started my new york my new york journey so to speak whereabouts in new york do you live uh, i live in the very i always say the hip and happening midtown area which is anything further from the truth um it, it is midtown um it, it's definitely no soho or it's no brooklyn it's a weird foreigner thing in me personally i i still love waking up and being amongst the tall buildings i mean like i'm in new york i'm nowhere else yeah, in the world yeah. and it's like a yeah. weird little atom thing that uh yeah. i do my first my first apartment was right in Times square because i was like well i'm gonna definitely feel every day that i'm in new york and, and yeah. that lasted less than a year and i broke lease to get out of there because yeah. it was like i can't do this anymore um but yeah. I'm, I'm still in midtown i'm actually where i'm at right now i just moved into a new apartment i'm just right near that's the, right uh, you said last last week or so you moved yeah last year was, yeah. last week was a moving week um i'm right next to the united nations building at the moment oh so. wow yeah, oh, cool. That's a good reference point. I stayed uh, on the corner of um, Prince and Lafayette, which is down oh, there. Nice. So it was quite nice down that's there. That's beautiful down there. Yeah, down it's for really a little, nice. tiny little, little. Much more trendy. Room. Much more trendy than where, I, than where I'm at for sure. Yeah, now you're at VaynerMedia, and uh, you've been there yeah. for four years. 
I have. And you've been doing yep. some amazing stuff, working on Budweiser Ooh. and um, Pepsi, and uh, who else? You got Cheetos and GE, and yeah, that, yeah. that's yeah, that's. Uh, that's a, that's a lot of it. I'd say PepsiCo, uh, Anheuser, mainly on Bud, and uh, a little bit of GE is at the moment what my world looks like on a daily basis. Mm. I really want to pick your brains on work, working at VaynerMedia and some of the clients yeah. you're working on and the processes. But before we do, before we do, what is something that most people wouldn't know about you? I know this is your first podcast, so there's got to be something there, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't had, it, yeah, I haven't given any of that away. Um, look, if you, if you're friends with me or you, you, you know me, there's not a lot that I hide because it's like yeah. pretty open with a lot of stuff. But uh, honestly, like for me, it's pretty typical. If I'm not like B side, is kind of like you know, well, I'm, I'm interpreting it as like if it's not my career, what am I doing? Um, for me, it's like I'm a huge sports fan, but like I'm, I'm a diehard Phoenix Suns fan, like die. Hard yeah. NBA Phoenix Suns fan. Um, I when I was in Sydney, I used to travel to Phoenix to watch games. And oh, then, really? Uh, that is yeah, fascinating. I, no, huge, huge basketball fan, huge Suns fan. You used fan. to fly um, to Phoenix just to see the game. <laughs> I did that twice when I was living in Sydney. Yeah, I'd fly wow. to Phoenix. I, I'd say like a week, pick a week where they got a few yeah. home games, but I would do yeah. that um, for sure. I mean, a little different time. You can watch games anywhere in the world now, but you know, if I wanted yeah. to, you know, it, it, back then it was like you know a few games on repeat, and definitely want my my team all the time. So yeah, I, I've done that, and I travel still a, a lot to watch them play uh, during the year when I get some time. I love bourbon. Like I'll oh. I'll, I'll dabble a little bit of bourbon yeah. here and there, and try try and build my collection up of, of bourbon. But uh, honestly, like you know, for me, it's it, my A side takes up so much of my time. So that, yeah, and my a, a, a stands for Adland, so it just takes yeah. up so much of my time. It's 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 hard to kind of flex the B side, but you know, I, if I get a chance, I love to illustrate. Still, I still love to illustrate. Mm. I love to, mm. I love to, you know, get yeah, the iPad your, out. Your scams being fantastic, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. nice to do it now just for pleasure when you get a chance. But honestly, yeah, it's it's few and far between when I get a chance to really do that. So. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Sports, sports, and alcohol is my sports and alcohol. Me, so, what a great yeah. what not a, not playing sports, by the way, just watching it. <laughs> no, just watching it. It's the best type yeah, of sport, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, the, yeah. Couch surfing. I think that's yeah, the real. That's that's a, I'm pretty that's good at that. <laughs> so, firstly, how did you start at Vayner? And you've been there for four years. I'm not sure if we discussed this earlier. I jumped from uh, the original uh, agency I landed at to an agency called Huge, a shop that basically built digital products, so websites, apps, uh, mm. and they were they were starting to build a brand department so they could do some campaign work for their clients. Uh, long story short, <laughs> the, the leadership didn't really believe in advertising. They kind of was more of the, I, I verbatim was told if the website looks good enough, you don't need to advertise it within like that quote realized that the, my you know boss's boss had yeah. no value for what I brought to the table. So I kind of right. quickly realized that I needed to jump ship there. Uh, but though, like, as I said before, every wrong turn leads you to the right turn. Uh, I met someone there who who hired me in the, the new shop, which was definitely more of a hybrid between product and uh, advertising and code and theory. Um, and I got to work on Burger King. It was, I worked, never worked harder in my life, but um, yeah, yeah. I got to work with the, the team at YNR um, New Zealand on the McWhopper campaign, did the social wow. work for that. Um, got to work on launching the grill dogs. Uh, I'm not sure if it made it to hungry jacks or not, but uh, <laughs> grill dogs was the Burger King hot dog. Uh, and, oh, and like, honestly, to this day, like one of the smartest things we, I've got to do uh, in advertising, I don't think it quite got the, uh, the attention it may have deserved, but like the, the whole construct to that was with Burger King, we had these, um, we had this problem every time, which was every time we'd come up with a campaign, um, we would take all the, all the in-store, 
like artwork for the new product launch uh, would have to arrive at the store days before it would actually launch. Uh, you'd have to do training for the staff a few days yeah, before yeah. so they knew how to make the products. Basically, there's like an internal like five days before the marketing campaign goes to air to like yeah. tell them about what's about to happen. These kids would come out with their cell phones and start taking pictures of all the point of sale work and their training videos and say, we're about to get this new product at Burger King and oh, the whole yeah. thing would leak on social oh, before God. the campaign would get out there. So the, <laughs> the strategist was genius on this and just kind of came to us and said like, well, what if we made the training video, the, the campaign? What if That's we, made the, tra- what if we yeah. made the training video something that we actually, they, they couldn't help but leak, but that's actually our plan. Like we actually, yeah, worked yeah. With, like TMZ was part of the idea and essentially we had, you know, uh, put the video out, which had Snoop Dogg in it, doing a training video with Snoop Dogg and, and like <laughs> for hot dogs, which is super simple, but, um, yeah, yeah. you know, got it out there and then all these employees, all these like 16 to 21 year olds were like posting on social about their new hot dogs coming to Burger King you know, training video was the thing they would take videos of and leak out and then TMZ got involved in it. Like, so it just became like a PR stunt, but like mm-hmm. we just mm-hmm. steered into the problem, you know, just steered yeah. and made the problem actually our solution and turned our employees into influencers. And to this day, I still think that the, 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 the thought behind that just was truly unique and like actually led to the kind of work I love doing, which is uh, ad campaigns that aren't ads. That's the stuff that gets me excited. Well, you're permeating culture. Um, which is really interesting in, and quite relevant in that um, Milton Glazer, the yeah. designer of the I Love New York logo, yes. recently passed, obviously. And you yes. think about that. People don't often talk about that being a, an advertising campaign to promote new tourism in New, uh, new York as a destination. It started in 1977. And that was based on a very tight brief and, and $400,000 worth of market research to get to the heart of what people thought of New York both as New Yorkers and people visiting New York, what the proof points were and how they could capture and demonstrate New York as a destination. You know, He was commissioned to work on that campaign and obviously the, the campaign lock-up logo was the I Love New York thing and that's all people think of, but people don't think of the amazing work and the insights that came out of that. New Yorkers love New York. New Yorkers are passionate about New York. They're proud of saying that. And just all of that research and all of that strategy went into that and but the pointy end of it is this beautiful little lockup and rest in peace, Milton. But um, to your point, you know, and it's permeated culture. And it's a lot harder to permeate culture and influence culture than it is to create an ad. You know, and I think that's the sign of true, um, truly amazing work. Can that commercial art, that commerce transcend into yes. culture, you know? Um, and it's a lot it's, of what I really like about what VaynerMedia is doing. On a bit of a segue, but uh, yeah. I think, I feel, and I could be completely wrong, but from an outsider's perspective, it feels like they're trying to transcend commerce into culture. That feels like that's where they've set the bar. I I think that's a really apt way of looking at it. We are trying to, I mean, I can go into it now, a little bit of the the thesis behind Vayner. Oh, yeah, yeah, if you could, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, 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 no problem. So I think... Is we've been talking about it for a number of years. I've been there for four years, and I think it's been about three years we've been talking about the classic traditional model needs an update. When you go through a advertising process now, and I'm assuming a lot of the listeners are aware of the process, but I'll go through it anyway. I think yeah, that'd be great. You know, 
you get a brief from a client and you're a creative director and you know say it's you're the last opinion from the agency that the word goes out so you've got your creative team say you get 50 ideas kind of brought in right and your job is to get that down to the five ideas that go to the client and then you go to the client you show those five ideas and those clients go well we like these three if on a good day they like three uh, on a really good day they like three on like uh, that day you're like heading off to the bar afterwards because you had a great one right like they like three <laughs> and and those three you know old school sense would go into research and you got a bunch of people in a white room with donuts in front of them telling you what they do and don't like about their ads the ads and the ideas and out of that you get a ranking and the cmo goes that's the one let's make that here's a million dollars goal for make it right and the problem with that is not one point has the person you're actually talking to had to say in the work not one point hmm. is your consumer actually weighed in on whether this work is good or not and look back back when this all back when this model was kind of created that made sense you had no way to talk to them like hmm. you know tv and print was the medium of choice like these days we have like you know a cell phone in our pocket uh we can we can put a tweet into the world in three seconds if we have an idea you know we can take a, a photo of something we can we can um make videos real quick we can you know photoshop allows us to like manipulate things like we can make a lot of content very quickly which allows us to put out like let's just say 30 of those original 50 ideas like weren't offensive, like, you know, mm-hmm. weren't going to ruin the business if they saw the light of day, like, well, cool. Let's make a tweet or a tweet and a post and a whatever for every single one of those ideas and yeah. put them into the world and yeah. get data against it and get sense about it. So then what you're doing is we, you do that on a daily basis. You put a little bit of paid media behind it because, you know, you want to get outside your organic bubble and you yeah. just get a lot of, you get a lot more better sense of at least what's trending and, and tr- having traction with the audience and your consumers uh, yeah. or a particular, you know, subset, you know, if you want to talk to a particular new consumer or whatnot. And, and, and that what allows us to do is go back into the boardroom with the client and say, Hey, we believe in this idea. Here's the $1 million script that we wrote about it, but here's 25 pieces of social content that have over indexedly been successful. Uh, against your metrics to prove that there's something in this idea. So it's not about reducing ideas down to tweets or quick little no. pieces of content. Uh, it's about doing those things to prove out the ideas you have and to almost make it a no-brainer to say yes to, as opposed yeah. to having subjectivity at every level kill yeah. ideas. Yeah. And and it's about bringing the consumer into the process far earlier before you make that million dollar, $2 million, $10 million, I mean, you put media on top of it, $20, $30 million investment into an idea. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it's really about, truly about bringing the consumer in earlier so that um, the idea has a much better sense of actually being relevant to that consumer. It's a really interesting way you've described that because it's in stark contrast to the market research or copy testing where you're almost gauging the the market's reaction to potential ideas or concepts or marketing strategies um, in a bit of a vacuum you know it, you know there's look it works there's no denying it works but it feels like there's nothing can beat watching wildlife <laughs> out in the yeah. wild you know yeah. <laughs> i'm using really strange terms at the moment but you know it, it's measuring behaviors in their environment and you're essentially doing that with the tweets and you're testing the audience and you're testing reactions in their environment you know, and if yeah. something sticks, it sticks. If it doesn't, it doesn't. There's no massive, in, massive investment, and, right? And if it doesn't, yeah, you're talking about like let's say a hundred dollars of paid media, and you're saying mm. like honestly, if you if you create an, a creative organization around creating and creating quickly and not being too precious at that level about the quality, mm. um, 
then you're making it relatively cheap too. You you know you're making content all the time, so the time, it's just one yeah. piece of content. And a tweet is a piece of content. A tweet a tweet yeah. can can unlock something massive if it gets the traction attached oh, to it. You absolutely. know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, and so you know, I think you know that's just that's the unlock for us, and you know that's what we're really trying to push. Um, a lot of our uh, our client conversations is to try and move this. Look, don't get me wrong; we still have a number of clients who do the classic. Um, yeah, a lot so of my clients still play in the classic. But I, yeah. I think the thing is, when you talk about this, and, and you talk to creators, and like I just go back to my initial reaction as two two three years ago when we started talking about this this process. It's just kind of like, okay, so you know, you're saying is that you know you're taking subjectivity away, which means you know you're taking a huge part away of the creative leadership, right? Like my mm-hmm. subjective opinion in my 15 years experience says this thing is going to have traction. But it's not that. It's actually about the data against it. Like if you truly believe that's a great idea, put put it out there and see yeah. and, and and test it. Like if you if you if you're truly right, then write 15 compelling tweets or or you know create 10 pieces of you know content for Instagram. Uh, that 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 level up to your idea. Don't have to give it away. They don't have to give away your execution. It could just be proof points for that territory being something interesting. And then mm. let the data s- confirm you're correct. And then yeah. it's so much easier to walk in that room and sell it when you have yeah. proof. You know, you have it, consumer proof. It's absolutely. just so much easier. Yeah, that that rings my ears. I mean, I, I bang on about this all the time on this podcast. But marketing is really it starts with understanding your market. And if you're not going to do that through research or gauging the market through those little, you're sending out like little, um, what would you call them? Almost like little drones, you know, or little uh, little tests, little tests, you know, little little tests. And they're going out there and they're doing a reconnaissance mission. Then they're coming back with gathering real data based on, you know, like little spies, idea spies. They're out there in the world buzzing about, you know, coming back and then you're forming this this plan, this strategy, you know, you, you, you're not going to send the army in when you absolutely don't know what the environment's like, right? You know, a hundred percent, you could be putting, you're putting all that money against something that just is not going to connect. I think the other thing too, is it's like, um, you know, it, these, the way it's done, people don't know their, their, their response is being looked at, you know, and, and that's mm. can sound big brotherish, but it's, it's really not like, you know, everyone can see how I put a post out. I can see who liked it and who didn't like it. Like yeah, it's that's right. the world we live in, but like, if you're sitting in a research facility and you know, as I said, the white room with the donuts, it's like those people feel like they need to tell you something. You're getting 10, 15 people. This, you're getting thousands of people's reactions, real reactions to something. And I think the other thing to this, which is kind of goes missing is when you go out there and you are uh, given a brief to go and make, and I'm just going to pick like a traditional TVC campaign, right? You need to honestly feel like you need to talk to as many people as possible to be worth the, the investment, but also be worth like you're on a broad reaching channel like TV. Um, the great thing about this model, and we call it the VaynerMedia volume model, uh, because it's about volume of content going out. Sure. Um, the 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 great thing about this is we actually can play with niche markets. And I, I, when you say niche, the first argument is going to come back is cool. Well, are they big enough to even warrant trying to invest in? And it's the whole hmm. thing is like, what that allows you to do is get really incredibly relevant. And if you start hmm. to find that you find relevance with the niche market, that can build. And that mm. could actually become a, a market reasonably large enough to worth investing more and more money into. Two years ago, when we started like started doing this on some brands, like we found that like we were you know working on selling a cookie, and the cookie was incredibly over-indexing with the K-pop community. Like they became obsessed with like the cookie and what we're doing. So we started creating a line of cookies that like actually like we made products that. F- to target the K-pop community because K-pop they were community. that bigger audience, you know, That's... the K-pop community, you know, that, that are now like affecting Donald Trump rallies. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and like what, what would have been three years ago, niche beyond niche, beyond niche to, to like 
Western world, right, is now like literally it's it's no it's not niche, and whether it's grown or whether the understanding of it or whatever has got bigger. Yeah. But you know what would have been in a marketing context in like a boardroom in New York would have been we want to talk to K-pop community. They'd say why how many people how many how are many? there yeah, yeah. and then and now and you know but two years ago we did we literally as i said created a line of cookies um targeting you know the k-pop community because we saw within our model that it was a big enough audience and they were obsessed with the products yeah, um, yeah and it, yeah. It, it, it affected product innovation and um, if they're so, really so again, not just ads. En- if they're highly engaged what's that 80 20 you know you're 20 of your revenue no 80 no, percent of your revenue can come from 20 percent of the market uh, you know, broadly. So it's a really 100%. fascinating thing. And this yeah. can unlock that. And so like, mm. you know, again, it's, it's, it's truly not about saying, you know, the social media is going to dictate your next big crafted, you know, commercial or campaign. Uh, it's, it's not saying that at all. So I'm saying your tweet, mm. that tweet is now going to be the script for your, for your next big spot. It's, it, we still had the subjectivity when it comes to building the, the bigger ideas mm. off, off, off the work we learn, but we just we just start with better insights and better information that's more relevant, yeah. and we start by it, we do it by putting creative out there. Which, as a creative, we should want we should hmm. want the creative the, the world reacting to a piece of creative that feels that feels like it's uh, you know connected to where you want it to go to, uh, yeah. as opposed to you know like here's a strat board in front of a room of people, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> like to respond to it. It it it, it it's um, and honestly, like you know, we're we're working also in the platform that is fastly fastly. Um, taking over uh, mm-hmm. all other media platforms, and it's where we're consuming the most content. So yeah. if you can have success there, it's not even like a test ground. It's like you're actually playing in the game, you know. Absolutely, and you're doing things that are relevant to an audience. And if your mission is to tap into culture and be relevant and and communicate those messages in a way that's really going to engage them, and there's no other way to do it so fluidly. There's just how else would you do that? Yeah. How else would you garner those insights without you know? It just seems like the perfect. It's you know it's it's in our pockets. All that information is sitting there in our pockets. So yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of like living it and doing it. It's kind of crazy to think you'd mm. do it any other way now. But I, I still understand it's you know it's relatively radical um, for for the industry and you know for for the way it's been done for so long. Yeah. Um, and so you know I, I get it. Uh, yeah. There's still a lot of skepticism. Where do you think that skepticism comes from? Gary is quite vocal with the with, he calls bullshit on a lot of these models and and like most entrepreneurs or people who have done well from a business standpoint you know you have to have a different perspective gary gary knows that he's po- uh, polarizing uh he embraces it mm. um I, I like when i first started at vayner i honestly and we didn't get to this earlier but you know we're jumping around the place and it's all good that's fine, um, that's fine. It's, I, good. it's a real uh, conversation this is you know, <laughs> yeah <laughs> even though i do have a, a structure but who cares let's yeah, throw it away man throw, let's just talk right. let's, let's, let's just talk. yeah let's let's volume test it um no so it's um he I started there because the client, I got an opportunity. I was uh, at the Code Theory where I worked on Burger King. I, I was an associate creative director there. Um, it was a little bit more of a CD role because it was a smaller agency, but um, mm. I got a creative director role at VaynerMedia working on Bud Light and I always wanted to be on beer. And so I went there for that. I went there because I was like, you know, I, I, at the time I didn't look at the work at VaynerMedia and go, wow, it's like, it's, it's there, it, obviously. But I saw an opportunity as a creative director on a brand like Bud Light, Bud Light to, to bring a lot of what I learned from Burger King and start to, you know, hopefully have a leadership role and can kind of make some changes and, and, and like yeah. have a chance to make the work I, I wanted to make. And um, 
and I remember in, in look, you know, however, if anyone follows Gary, follow Gary. Gary talks a lot about how he has an open door policy at our agency, and you know, he's anyone at any level can come and speak to him for for a period of time. And and I had a, a I sat down. I was probably like a month in, and I had a opportunity to have five minutes with Gary. And I really didn't know what to expect. I didn't know he existed when I came to the mm-hmm. agency. Yeah, uh, I had to look him up, and I found out like, wait, I'm working for an internet celebrity. Like, what's what's going on here? <laughs> uh, and I remember meeting with him, and uh, at the time, I kind of don't believe that i did this but i, I know i did and I, you know when um when he said like why are you here i said well i don't did i really don't know who you are i i kind of said that to him and i was like and it might sound like a he must like, have loved that me being an asshole but like it truly wasn't i just kind of figured that he's a non-bullshit person he didn't seem like the kind of person who wanted to be bullshitted to and honestly i didn't know enough about him to bullshit so i yeah, just was yeah. and i think it's a little the australian thing like we don't like just get straight to the point and be honest and i just said i'm here because i was excited by the client and the opportunity uh and he 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 got it he goes you're an ad guy he goes, yeah, you know, you don't know who I am, but I bet you know who David Droger is. And I bet you know who, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like he kind yeah. of did that. And yeah. I was like, yeah, like I grew up idolizing the work David Droger did. Like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, and he's like, cool. Well, um, here's the thing. You're going to figure out that you need me. And I already know that I need you. And we need to do this together. We need to build something really different together. And like, I'm a CD. Like we had group, group creative directors, which is my level now. Like, and the agency we had is a CCO. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a seat. I'm one of like, what? 30 CDs there at the point like you know but that, just like that alone just the next conversation I have with them the next conversation I have with them yeah, it, it yeah. built to the fact like he admitted that you know I, I need him and he needs me and that he, he needs he needs some ad people in the agency yeah. but he also needs ad people who are open minded I think people uh, always are fearful of people who come in and want to change it they, they probably are even not fearful but almost resent those who haven't done it by being in the industry yeah, gary's yeah. Gary, gary's not in the industry he's a wine guy like his yeah. dad owns a, a liquor shop you know like that's how he's come about he created an e-com space um yeah. for selling wine and 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 went from there and you know basically learned through google buying google search words you know yeah. adwords so you know he's not from advertising he doesn't he hasn't grown up with it um and so an outsider coming in and telling us we're doing it wrong I totally get why people don't like that. I totally mm. get it. I, for a period of time, I probably didn't like, I probably, I don't remember it, but I was like, like, fuck you. I didn't like yeah. it. But, you know, I think um, if, if people can get past the, 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 the guttural initial reaction to that, and obviously the way Gary does it is provocative as well. It's not like a calm, like mm. Tony Robbins coming in and talking about it. It's very <laughs> like in your face. Um, if people can kind of just take a moment to like put that aside and just hear his words and just like, understand what he's saying not necessarily the way he's saying it but what he's saying yeah. uh, there's a lot of you could dismiss it but there's there's a lot of value to be had in it yeah. um and i i think i think what this ultimately leads to if if his thesis is correct and, and where this all goes to i think it it comes back to the importance of creative and media being wedded yeah. together again yeah i yeah. just think i think I, I don't worry for creativity in the ad, ad world uh, I worry about creative agencies. I think they're they're vulnerable by themselves. Obviously, yeah. you've seen the consultancy world sucking mm. them up and attaching them to other things. You know, you know a lot in Australia. A lot of obviously yeah. you've seen that a lot in Australia. Um, you know, Droger uh, recently, like the last year or so. Um, I, I get worried for the standalone creative agency. I think the the most interesting way I've seen it is the wedding of creative and media back together again can be mm. really, really. Um, I think for what we're trying to do it's critical that a creative is sitting next to uh, a, a media strategist and who are who are planning and mapping this thing out together so mm-hmm. that you're getting uh you're getting the 
the, the data you need to get to make the decisions you need to make. And so I think that's where this kind of... That's a really uh, good point. It's almost like going backwards. It's where it really started. Really good creatives. And I, I mean that like people who like do get the consumer they're talking to or maybe they're like, you know, it could, good ones can have more hits than misses, but we're still hit and miss. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, um, when you're competing against uh, uh, what I think the future looks like where you're getting you know, real-time intel against, you know, uh, by real creative in the real world with real consumers, mm-hmm. it's hard for humans to compete with that. And I think uh, we still need, here's the thing is, we still need great creatives oh, like, t- to, 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 to take those like, little nuggets and make them amazing and compelling and great yeah. creative. Like it's, yeah. it doesn't kill creativity. It actually That's just, right. it gives everyone's ideas a better shot at surviving and not mm. dying from from someone's subjectivity like yeah. it, it it helps that but it, it, once we get it it's not done like it has to that that works unless be made into something compelling Absolutely. something that's going to move move people to want to you know purchase or or think better about your brand or whatever the kpi is for that campaign you still got to like move a human being to do something mm. um i, I but, really just yeah. try, try to cut you off just to jump in there but no, there's go, that go, go, go. age-old saying give me the freedom of a tight brief and i just see this as and what goes into a brief it's information you know it's a series of 10 questions and a lot of them are in relation to the the, the audience and you might have an appendix that gives you more information but the brief is essentially your your document of truth and and that's backed by research give me the freedom of a tight brief Doing that, starting with your audience, doing the tests, that gives you a tighter brief and hence far more freedom in order to create something that's relevant, engaging, that's really kick-ass creatively. So you, you talked about the Vayner way or the Vayner process. Could you just give me an example of what that process is and how it may differ? So we have two offices in New York. One is in Hudson Yards, which is a beautiful, big, modern development uh, happening over on the uh, on the west side. Um uh, kind of 30th and 10th kind of area, if you know, New York. Uh, and then my office is in Long Island city. So I'm actually off Manhattan. Uh, right. So I do the reverse commute. Um, but mm. we have a little production thing. Anyway, if you, that's neither here nor there. If you walked into uh, my office in Long Island city, you'd probably notice that we don't, you know, we still have remnants and still hold on to like the copy art partnership and team, but we've added elements to it. So if we're, if we've got a, a client structure, uh, uh, that does the volume, vein of volume, uh, method, um, what is You'll the value that method? It is what I talked about. Yeah, it is quite literally making a, I will say shit ton, Gary would say fuck ton of assets <laughs> against ideas and getting them into the world with Great. small media budgets against them to get the data back. In that system, we, we have uh, a lot of creators and that's what we're calling them. So, you know, it, it tends to lean a little bit more towards entry level, but by no means does it have to be. It's just people who want to make you know, who want to truly, who have ideas and want to make and put out and they make sure. them quickly. So a lot of content. And, you know, some of those ideas can be informed by senior creatives, uh, other like that. Uh, it can, ideas, we truly have a thing. Ideas can come from anywhere. Let's test everything. We have hypotheses. Um, so we'll have strategists, we'll have uh, media, and we'll have a creative team. The creative team, again, a lot more, you know, we don't have like a junior creative team necessarily. We might have a videographer, someone who literally sits there and can make GIFs and videos really mm. quickly. Uh, yeah. They might go and shoot TikToks straight up, just might go and shoot mm. them downstairs we have a studio space and all that kind of stuff hey, whatever we need to do there's a videographer then we'll have some kind of design art illustrator creative who really just wants to sit and make assets all the time right mm. um, don't necessarily get a, like compelled by the big idea um, definitely more about like cool i want to make this i'm gonna make this i'm gonna make this and and bring it to life and then we have writers community managers 
all sitting in that group. And then kind of over that, you might have, and again, it's not over, like they don't report into, um, hmm. but, you know, sitting alongside that team might be a more traditional team who will be more responsible for um, taking some of the insights coming from that from that creative and starting to build up what we call a bridge bridge creative. The bridge oh, really? creative is the creative that might not necessarily be your Super Bowl spot, but it's more hmm. of a, cool, we spent $4,000 on media against these 400 assets, um, and we found that th- this thing is getting traction. Now we want to go and make a $10,000, $20,000 video just to prove that out one more step. You know? sure. And that could be, you know, it could be a number of things. It could be a quick, small shoot. It could be something we put together using stock or whatever. But it's got, like, it's got a bigger, the ideas are a bit more baked into it. Um, and so we'll have a creative team work on that and we put those videos out. And that, look, a bridge video could be anywhere from like 10K to 100K. It's what, whatever we can kind of sell in to try and prove and test that out a little bit more. And then, and then that team and the creative director team that sits there and, and myself in the GC role, you know, will have a hand in that, but then also really try and work on, cool, what's the, big, what's the next big thing that kind of comes out of that? But so it's like a, it's, it's, it's more of a, it's less hierarchical. Yeah. It's yeah. a little bit more like spread out with different roles within that, but it's everyone is making though. Like if yeah. I have an idea, me personally, if I wake up in the morning and I have an idea, I need to knock out a few tweets and I'm an art director. So like yeah. tweets scare me the hell out of me writing a <laughs> tweet, but like I have to write content. Like if I have an idea, I'll like, I don't go to the creative team and go, Hey guys, I have this idea, write it up for me. I'll write the tweets. Look, they might help me and put a few, visual concepts together or whatnot like that, but I'm not, they're not there to make my ideas. They're there to make their ideas and support mm-hmm. our ideas and, and really just put as many things as we have out into the world. Sure. Um, and then from that, we start to see what's tractioning, what's getting, what's getting results. And we build uh, bigger investment pieces off that. I'm just going to use very vertical language. So, and I know it doesn't reflect the awesome collaborative structure. So I'm going to use very vertical language here. So pardon me. And I'm not, undermining the work they do at that base level. So at that base level, you're throwing out volume, literally you're testing, you're sending out the, the, you know, reconnaissance mission. You've got a whole bunch of, a lot of content, you know, the bees are out there, killer bees, man, they're out there going nuts. Then you've got the next bridging level, which is more formed, um, starting to take the shape of a more, a, a solution that looks more like a traditional response. Then you get to the an top. ad-like object. An ad-like object, yes. Then you get to yeah. the Super Bowls of the world. Is there anything yeah. in between that, is, or is that sort of? Sure, and I think that's, like, honestly, that's where, you know, each client's different and each each circumstance is different. I think the line between the bridge and the Super Bowls of the world, you know, um, you know a lot of the, you know, work that we do on you know different brands it, it, it could be it could be a campaign we put out it could it could be a 30 second tvc that comes out of that if we want it to be it could be a mm. long form social video that's three minutes long and makes everyone cry or makes everyone laugh yeah. or whatever like it's it's truly it, it it the way we kind of look at it is like investment levels investment mm. levels from production sure. levels from, from media and and you can go from having a really great hypothesis coming out of your you know as you said, the killer bees, the little social things that go out there. Um, you can have a great hypothesis on that and jump straight to, you know, enough data there to stop, jump something big. But, you know, sometimes we just jump to that bridge piece to to kind of help the client on the journey to kind sure. of see where we're going. And, and also for us too, like, I mean, if Gary was here saying this, he would say, no, look, shut up, Locke, you're not saying it wrong. It's it's not it's not one bridge video. We want to make four 
bridge videos yeah. for four different niche markets because it's still about volume. It's not about yeah, one thing. Yeah. It's about one like thing. doing that. So if you've got like, you know, you've got one hypothesis, you go, cool, this thing's trending. Now let's try it for middle American moms who love guns. Let's try it for K-pop <laughs> fans in San Francisco. Yeah, let's try cookies. it for this. Let's try it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like it, 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 it's like keep, keep testing. You're never not... Mate, never not that trying to for put- me inter- it becomes far more interesting like creatively yeah. let's yeah. do it for middle american mums who love guns let's do it for Kate, the different audiences right and it, there's never a bet that's a brilliant example as the audience should determine your response creatively right and uber relevance again uber relevance yeah. like you know like you see great – it's funny whenever uh, – I'm not going to go into examples, but like when you see great work done and I might – as the ad guy, I might come and go, oh, man, look at this campaign. And like I might be on a, a Zoom with Gary and I'm like, oh, man, this, this thing was really cool. He's like, yeah, but what if they also did the opposite of that for their opposite audience? Like, mm. you know what I mean? Mm. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it was one that came out, which was like, you know, um, when Kaepernick work came out for Nike, he was kind of like, cool, but what if they did – the same thing for military people training to get yeah. the military Nike yeah. tra- training, training, training to go to, go to war, but they're like training in their Nikes cause they're trying to make the Marines or something like that. And I'm like, because do both like mm. why, like you're a huge company. You can like, you talk to both audiences, like, and we can subset target. We can target one group, another group on social, like easily, you know what I mean? So yeah, like, yeah. and it, look, it, whether that's a right or wrong example, it's the thesis that you kind of want to yeah. push forward on, you know? So, um, yeah. yeah. So we, of- we, we need these teams to be like bigger because the yeah. sheer volume we're putting out, like, you know, it's, I think one thing that's really interesting it, it, and you, you pissed on it earlier, which is the whole cultural zeitgeist and it's harder to get something to culture. And one thing that kind of stuck with me that, that, you know, again, Gary said to me, which, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, there was periods of time when I told him this, like where there's like, uh, like I'm slowly being in, like figuring it out in my head and, you know, being a traditional ad guy, I'm like, okay, what does this mean? Like, what's this going to look like? And, uh, part of the process that dawned on me, he, he said um, an, an ad person, a person from advertising would never have made a meme, would never have invented the meme. Yeah. One yeah. of the most culturally significant inventions in communication in the last five, six years, the meme, hmm. because no ad person would have made that because the font wouldn't be impact. It wouldn't be pixelated. It wouldn't be, you know, some terrible reaction of something. Yet we all use it. We all yeah. use them every day. We all we use it more than we would probably consume TV commercials right now, and 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 he's one hundred percent right. And so it's a little bit of you know breaking, and that's the point of having these creators in the system. It's not just about yeah. the making of them. Like my job is not make them ad people. That's not my job. My yeah. job is to make is to empower them to be the creators of things for the internet, the best creators of things for the internet possible. Yeah. Because yeah. if the things feel and live and breathe like the internet does, we're going to get better intel and data against that. Yeah. And so yeah. they, I, if I make them into ad people, I fail as a leader. So I yeah. have to, you know, I have to know what I know and have a team around me that knows what we know. But we can't turn them into something that we are because that just defeats the purpose. How does the client engage with you? Now you've you've mentioned some of the clients you're working with, which you know, Budweiser and PepsiCo and Cheat Cheetos and GE. Yep. A few questions I've got, and I'll just rattle some of them off. Um, are they retained clients? Are they project-based? Um, what's the general relationship like there? They are um, They are all retained clients. Um, retained, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, all those retained and, clients. And do they have a marketing plan for the year, or are they more reactive, like it's always on, and we, we've got these overarching objectives and KPIs that we need to 
to meet? It's a little both is the answer. Mm. There, There is definitely a, uh, in my inbox in many places, there is the big map of everything we're doing this year. Um, sure. This year was best, best, best intentions and changed pretty significantly come March. But, um, you know, there is that. There is product launches. There's the news. There's the things we want to activate on. There's like we mm. want to have a, a big bet here or a big bet there or, yeah. you know, like an earned media idea here and here and here and, and whatnot. And, 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 you know, beer and, 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 and soft drink and snacks, it's, you know, summertime's a big play and all that kind Season, of stuff. So, yes, yeah, we, have, yeah. we have the mapping out of the year. And uh, honestly, with, with my clients, a lot of them still have very – traditional classic tendencies we you know we, sure. we do the volume stuff but a lot of a lot of my world still remains in like hey i have an i i have a brief for a big ad and i want you to just go and give us your three best ideas for that big mm-hmm. ad so i think the answer for me is is truly a hybrid of those two but we are moving um more and more for it to become uh volume uh first uh that leads us to the to the to the, the classic work rather than classic uh, been the priority, so it, it's a it's a prog process we're moving through and having ongoing conversations with clients. What's some of the bigger big ideas that you're really proud of? You've been there for four years, and I know I've seen stuff on for the Super Bowl. I've seen all these great ads for Budweiser. You've worked with Chalice Theron. I mean, you're doing you yeah. know, all, all sorts of great stuff. In and as an agency, Vane has been doing some really, really, really great work. In yeah, even by traditional standards. Last year we did the Budweiser Dwayne Wade. Uh, video, which yeah. um, I, I, I think it may have like got a a little connection in Australia or not. I know NBA is uh, is still relatively large in Australia, but so Dwayne Wade retired. Um, we did a um, a, a longer form film. Um, That's the his retirement. That won some Webby awards, didn't it? The Dwayne Wade and it, Last Swap. It actually campaign. didn't win yeah. Webby awards. Webby <laughs> have been. Uh, if we're doing a medal count, Webby's have really avoid uh, 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 evaded me a little bit. Um, really, uh, yeah. Webby's been tricky. It, it won. Uh, it, it won uh, uh, three lines. Um, uh, silver Superons. Uh, it wow, picked up yeah. some Cleos. It picked up a gold Cleo. Uh, so it, it's done pretty well on the award mm, circuit. Mm. Uh, it's done. It's you know. I think. Uh, we count, we count uh, its lion as Vayner's first lion, which I was proud yeah, of. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so that that work was was really strong. Um, it just it, it got almost two billion impressions. Uh, we know impressions are, are arbitrary number, but like it, it did for the metrics we have of success. Yeah. Uh, it did relative it did relatively well. What are you guys um, on the hook for? Just picking up on that. So what, what how do you measure uh, yeah. success for in terms of your campaigns and your promise to clients? Gary would always say sales to us always because yeah. it's about business results, which I I don't disagree. Budweiser is a good one to talk about. We get earned briefs, which is like earned media. So it's about maximizing attention and awareness of, mm. of a project we've done. So we really are trying to work for PR ability of an idea, uh, shareability mm. of an idea. We've got a little bit more into social metrics of success mm. in that, you know, how much engagement did it get in social in social mm. media and um, trending uh, is something we try and aim for. But, you know, if you're going to get a brief around, we want to trend during something, it's a very unique, specific creative exercise. It's almost like running a promotion or a promo of some, some degree. It's yeah, like yeah, it's a very yeah. specific thing you kind of look to do. The other thing is is sales. So you've got numbers, they're literal hard numbers, and we want to see an uptick. Yeah, we, we, in, yeah. we get we get sales numbers and sales yeah, lists well. data against it. Um, That's amazing. And, and 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 honestly, not not that I've done this in my experience, so uh, but I can talk a little bit about it. Is with the volume work because you can target super specifically with geo targeting, right? So you can mm. go into that area. And so if you really want to measure the success of a campaign from a sales standpoint, to a degree you can because you can actually match the social results you're getting against like a Walmart sales lift. 
we actually can talk about yeah. the creative work we're putting out in social from a volume sense if it's actually going to shift the needle at a singular Walmart store in, in an area and just to test yeah. that to see if it's really moving the needle in sales. So that's also something that, that can be a really powerful tool yeah. um, to see if your creative work on that front too, not just a click like or click retweet or click whatever. Yeah. It's like can actually be uh, an, uh, it can be a sales, a sales it guide kind of as well. Mirrors- it mirrors that process of yours, you know, the killer bees and then the more awareness-based stuff at the top of the funnel. So you guys are almost doing that in terms of the way you're structured and your approach to doing the work as well. To your question, it, it, a lot of the a lot of the briefs we get, uh, I'd say the majority of my briefs I get these days are uh, earned or social engagement uh, metrics yeah. uh, yeah. that we're, we're, we're looking to drive. Even in America, so, I mean, I'm sure clients are cutting their budgets somewhat, but, you know, if you can get earned, earned media... Um, more bang for your buck yeah. and social <laughs> engagements yeah. and shares and all those sort of things. I mean, it, that's really, it, it yeah. just, it helps. It, it really does help. And I think the, the other one that I, I, I would talk about from a campaign standpoint would be the work we just, uh, we did towards the end of last year, although it's just kind of wrapped now for the uh, National Women's Soccer League. It's a unique play for Budweiser. What we saw was an opportunity off the back of the Women's World Cup last year and the popularity of that to to really find a, a, a way into to really making a difference from the domestic league. The domestic league is, you know, every four years, the, the, the world pays attention to the, the, the national teams when they play in the yeah. World Cup and get excited about it. And I'm, I'm positive it's the same in Australia, that as soon as these amazing women come back from uh, France or wherever they're playing in the world, although I know Australia's got the next Women's World Cup, which is exciting. Yeah, um, yeah. It's the, great news. Yeah. It's awesome. It's gonna be, it's, I might come back for that. Um, yeah, it's um, They come back to like empty stadiums and yeah, there's no yeah. one paying attention and yeah. like all the time the world cups on everyone's about like equal pay and equality and all this kind of stuff but like when they return back to their to the to the countries they're playing the domestic leagues like three people turn up and it's just like yeah. it's all bandwagon sports fans so budweiser didn't talk during the world cup even though we're a world cup sponsor we didn't do any campaign what we did was at the final we announced that we were going to be uh announcing a sponsorship with the local the local league and pushing That's for fantastic. The, yeah. the build of that and and that all culminated last year in in a campaign we did where it was to uh it's called future official sponsors uh and it was to drive um uh other brands to t- to become sponsors of the league to help grow the league we found out even as late as like uh monday uh yesterday for me that we now went from three sponsors of the league to to nine sponsors so the campaign That's brought awesome. on congratulations man, what a great initiative yeah, yeah. Uh, Google came on, CBS, um, uh, P&G, uh, a, a number of That's big fantastic. brands came on, which is great. That's the stuff that gets you out of bed in the morning, man. It really does. Yeah. I mean, purpose uh, gets a- bandied around a lot in what we do. And, and unfortunately, we still define ourselves by our professions, you know, our sense of identity. And, you know, if that's the case, if my sense of identity is associated with doing things like that, being associated with campaigns like that, then that's that's fantastic. I'm pretty – I can yeah. sleep well at night, you know. <laughs> It, it makes yeah. it like, you know, uh, I'm a romantic about advertising and what it is, but mm. like, I think the things that truly um, get me excited, the projects that I like, without getting all, like, it's about like, it's bigger than an ad campaign. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it just transcends a print ad or a TV commercial or a social post. It just, it leads something bigger. When there's a reason beyond the commercial, I think that's where it's, and when I mean, you know, the sales are very important, you know, and we need the sales to be able to support initiatives like this, but selling a few extra units of a product um, versus creating a shift culturally, that's really the stuff that gets me and you and excited. If, if you deem that your an audience is significant or large enough and they believe passionately about something, if you stand for that thing, um, 
you, you can motivate them to, to choose you. You've talked a lot about the process and you've talked at length about the power of ideas and how they can transcend commerce into culture. How do you overcome creative block though? I think there's a process I, I do in my head, which is I try and forget things I must do with a brief. Like I must talk to these people. I must include this. I must like just clear get it into a base. What is the fundamental human problem I'm trying to solve? I'm not even an ad person. I'm just a human mm. being sitting here having to solve a problem. Like f- truly forget about the target audience. Forget about the brand. Forget that it's a beer. Forget that it's a, a soda or a snack food or it's a wind turbine. Like forget about what it, it is and just go, I am trying to make people feel this or i'm trying to make this true creatively problem solve like how i would do that just using any tool or anything on my device and and it, it doesn't feel like i'm trying to solve for an ad or trying to write it the right way or or get that punchline like i'm just truly trying to solve that problem and, and again this is like notepad and paper in central park like i'm yeah not looking at anything and and honestly just it that feels freeing it feels more fun it feels like i could literally write unicorns and rainbows as my solution that's a valid solution yeah. and it just it allows me to kind of just that's go, a solution like, for everything really, it's a uh, it's the best solution <laughs> for everything because yeah um but like it's it to me it's like that that truly just allows me to be free and here's the thing is then i come back and use the brief as a, a metrics to cull or curate my ideas to be like okay i can get this one there i can get this one there free yourself as much as you can from any limitations you're thinking don't sit and force it if you go to the park and you're sitting there and you're free of it all and suddenly like you're sitting there for an hour and nothing's come up that's okay i I just think it's the most important thing to do i see so many young creatives these days get a brief and go and open up um photoshop go and open pinterest go and open um uh, some kind of website and start typing in words on the brief to see what comes up don't start there get out go for a walk go yeah go grab lunch just like just ideas live outside yeah go, go be yeah. out amongst it i try and do that as much as i can so you're giving birth to an idea and you want to do it in this wonderful natural environment before you bring it back and you put all these constraints on it from a technological yeah. standpoint you know what i mean like you, you start typing things to the internet and suddenly there's a bunch of stuff your idea can't be because it's there yeah, it's been yeah, done yeah and it's like suddenly you're starting with what it can't be as opposed to what it can be can be yeah and, totally and here's the thing is if you start with what it can be and then you find out oh crap that's kind of close look there's a billion ways to pivot that thing around to make sure it's not that or mm. fuck it's not that but like just I, I i just find starting with uh all the answers of the internet in front of you is is daunting mm. it's distracting and yeah. uh it's limit it's actually limiting are there any cracker ideas out there that you're liking at the moment there was a campaign done for little which is called vote for meal um and it was just genius they basically they were going through an election. It was in Belgium, and Lidl's sure. uh, a grocery store, like a like an Audi or a Coles or a Woolworths, um, and um, they they basically there was all these you know you've seen them when the the elections are on. There's these stock standard pictures of politicians with their box around them going vote for this yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So what Lidl did, and the case studies out in the internet, you can find it. It's it's amazing. They actually. Um, quickly shot hand doubles that like matched this politician and put like built onto the poster like a decal that goes over it so they're like holding a a meal in their hand and the base of the political poster becomes a poster for the the meals at the the at the supermarket chain i'm trying to look Uh, for it (laughs) oh it's definitely like your listeners should watch this case study it's it's absolutely brilliant the real-time nature of it um and you know someone who was on the jury with me um 
you know, confirmed that it was done at scale too. It wasn't just oh, done really? like yeah, good. three not, posters not a in a small town. It was yeah. all over Belgium when they did it. They went ham on it. And uh, it, it was just fantastic. My, my description is not doing it justice, but if you type in little L-I-D-L, Getty Images Como, if you haven't seen that work, that's amazing. They basically made a film or a, a series, a film TV series, only using Getty video or images and video from, oh, from wow. Getty. Yeah, yeah. The whole thing was done that way, and it was amazing. It's done in South America. I, I'm yeah. guessing Brazil, but it could have been Argentina. Oh, man, uh, I, I, I'm writing a little screenplay at the moment, and I won't give yeah. it away, but I, I'm really thinking a lot, a lot of my uh, footage, found footage I'm going to use from Getty because it's just like, how else will you go and get, like, um, an Amazonian, just this is not in film, but an Amazonian tribe that's never been seen before by... You know, you, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just like it's, it's just fascinating. Won't. The resource there is just amazing. This was done so brilliantly too, because there's such a schizophrenia nature of stock image. Like very few times, it's either it shit all, or really good, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it doesn't all like look like the same. Like cinematographer, it doesn't look the same. No, so no. this being done in the form of like a, someone's experiencing like memory things from a coma it's like mm. perfect way to do it and it's like the, the script the, i mean the writing in it is actually phenomenal to tie all this together and like mm. make it, like it's really well done it's worth i'll check watch. it out it's, as well it's fantastic yeah. and then and then the, the third i just like lost my mind at this one um bt which i believe is a cable network over in the uk they had a campaign called unscripted which i'm sure if you're in the uk or europe you've heard of this um they basically got an ai bot to based on data and statistics and the schedule that came out to basically script the, the 2020 season, uh, mm. uh, EPL season. And they mm. put the script out to the public, to players, to commentators, to whatever, just by saying, this is how the season's going to play out. And yeah. the whole thing is like, the great thing about live sports is it's unscripted. That's the absolute thing that, you know, you can't not watch it live because it's like happening live. It's not like watching mm. like a Netflix show. Where you can watch it whenever. Like, so the whole thing about scripting the unscripted just became this amazing thing that just became a, a viral conversational sensation over in the UK. Everyone from talk shows to like footballers to like fans are like commenting on social, burning the script that was pub printed. Oh, it, it was absolutely crazy. And it was, it was amazing. And, it, and that's definitely worth a view too. Yeah. And, Honestly, a lot of Australian work sh sh showing up really, really nicely too. Uh, there was the uh, the KFC work for the Michelin star showed up. Fanta that was fantastic. Yeah. Again, not an ad, like not an yeah. ad. Just yeah. you know, yeah. it has a brand at its heart, but not an ad. And yeah, um, the come up for air in Tasmania, like it's it's mm. an ad, but it doesn't feel like an. It feels like you're stepping into like a scene of a film, or it feels like you're stepping into a, a poem or, or something. It's just, yeah, yeah. Like it just yeah. has such a different feel for it. There's a beautiful just, pace to that. I love that. That was oh, really well, man. really well put no, together. I, I'm jealous of that because I know myself, and I would never have come up with that. It's just, yeah. it's not, it's not, it's amazing to me because it's so not me, and I mean that in the most endearing, loving way. Like I would <laughs> never have made that ad, yeah, and I yeah. love it. Yeah, you know, that's fantastic. Um, and that's the sort of thing that does get us going, doesn't it? If you go, fuck you guys, man, I wish I came up with that. Right. There's that certain element of um, envy, love, and just hatred because you wish you came up with it, man. There's two, there's two forms for me. There's the, I know I could have come up with that and I'm pissed that it didn't come to me first. Yeah, and then yeah. there's the, which it does, it does irk me a little bit. Then there's the one which is like, I'm so fine with that existing in the world. And I'm so happy it does because yeah, I would exactly. never have come up with it. And there's yeah. the two. And they're both amazing. Like, yeah, you know, it's, yeah. Actually, it's, you're, yeah. you're ebbing and flowing between those two emotions yeah. <laughs> all yeah. the time. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it, welcome Absolutely. to the world of being a creative. <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's fantastic. Exactly yeah, yeah. Mate, I've really enjoyed our chats. I'll try and wrap this up. But what I would really love you to do, you talked a little bit about memes before. Now, yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot now, Adam. Uh-oh. If you were to wrap up your philosophy, your approach, yeah, as a little bite of wisdom, or in your case, a meme, what would that be? I think uh, it'd be hard to give me for me to give you a meme because I don't have a visual means in which to share in podcast form what the <laughs> what the support would be. Look, I, there's a quote if I can give you that that I kind you of sure always can. always think about, and it's, to me, it's like you know, and I'm paraphrasing. I don't even know who said this, but it's like it, there are no shortcuts to any place that's worth going to. If you have an idea or you have something that you're like you feel compelled, like you just you won't sleep until it's it's there or it's put out or it exists in the world. There are no shortcuts to anywhere worth going to. Feels like it's a bit of a mantra for your life. For someone that used to fly to Phoenix to see his favourite team play, um, to yeah. knowing that you wanted to go halfway around the world to build a career in the not advertising industry <laughs> as a yeah. creative. You know, there are no shortcuts to anywhere worth going Two is great advice for our listeners, I think, and it's true for everything, really, isn't it? You know, if if this work is worth doing, if you feel it in your bones that you want to make this, then it's okay. We're going to bleed for this one, guys. Like this, I say that before we sell in a really big idea to my team. I'm like, okay, guys, this is big, this is huge. Are you sure we want to sell this thing? Because if we do this, we're not holding back. Like this is going to be yeah. this is everything of us for the next few weeks to make this that. thing absolutely work. That. And, and yeah. if you're not in, get out now because I'm. I'm all in on this, you know. And- We're going to bolt the handles onto this one, guys, and yep. you're going to hold yep. on for dear life. We're going to ride it all the way. Like I, I, I have workaholic tendencies. I do. Yeah. Um, and my team, my team know it, but they know also that I'm not going to ask them to do something I'm not willing to do myself. And mm. so I think, I think that's just key as well. That speaks to leadership. We haven't really covered leadership. We could do that the next time you come on the podcast because I'd love to have Absolutely. you back on. Absolutely. But um, I, I love that leadership style, and I've always believed that if you're not willing to, um, to to muck in. Don't expect your team to, you know, you got to lead from the front is my firm belief. I mean, I know there are times when you've got to step back and you've got to give your team the autonomy and so on. But I really do think that, um, you know, leading from the front and leading by example is a real good way to motivate, motivate large teams. Absolutely. Hey, Adam, thank you so much for your time, man. Thanks, James, mate. Appreciate it, man. It's been good seeing you too. Yeah, likewise. It's really, honestly, this podcast is all about that. Like, it gives me the opportunity to speak to people I haven't spoken to for some time and see them again. And um, so, um, before we do go, though, uh, where can people find out more about you? And um, where can we go to get a bit more information on Vayner? Find more information on Vayner. Quite literally, you can type in Gary V into into any social network and, and you'll get a good dose of him. Uh, you can follow Vayner Media on, on all the social platforms and, and channels. Um, we're, we're starting to get. Um, more and more of the agency and, and the creative philosophy out to the world. Um, but I, I think I, I try and do a good job of sharing um, Vayner Media's, be they mine or be they other team members' successes um, sure. on, on social. Um, it, this is the most boring and uh, conservative thing I'm going to say the entire freaking time. Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> boring. Um, I'm a, LinkedIn is the best place to grab me. I'm actually active on LinkedIn. If anyone wants to connect or reach out or say anything, uh, uh, I'm pretty pretty uh, active on there, so LinkedIn is the best one to hit me up. VaynerMedia, Adam Locke, so it's it's pretty awesome. easy to find. Yeah, 
Awesome, mate. That's fantastic. Well, thanks again, yeah. Adam. I really, really appreciate your time, and it's been so good speaking to you. You've given us so yeah, much man. info. Though. It's been awesome just to jam on all things, yeah. you know, the creative industry, both where you're currently at and the philosophies and about the traditional model. And it's really exciting to see how you guys are shifting towards this new model and this new way. And, uh, mate, really, see really resonates with really resonates all the best man and then please let's um let's stay in touch and um let's uh, make sure we have that bourbon at some point whether it be in new york mate, or in, in sydney <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'll let you know something i can tell man but i appreciate it thanks for having me on james i appreciate it mate. no worries mate thank you cheers thanks a lot see you mate if you'd like to find out more about me or the b-side podcast please visit jamesbside.com that's one word jamesbside.com and you can follow me on instagram at b-side podcast if you have any suggestions or feedback on the show please email me at hello at jamesbside.com and don't forget to rate review and subscribe the b-side with james barrow is produced by me and i really hope it's helped unlock your creative potential thanks for listening and until next episode cheers